to the show. It's uh, Tuesday. News Talk 1110-993, WBT, Pete Callender here. I am getting overtime for this, I think. Like three minutes. Bill it! 704. <laughs> Not sure what happened. Technical issue there. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to, I will put in the extra three minutes worth of work today. Because that's the kind of guy I am. I am a giver. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Um, a lot to get to today. Um, I'm going to start, though, with uh, some Raleigh stuff. And then I'm going to get to um, the January 6th insurrection. And uh, just spoiler alert on that. Um, the reason why the insurrection, I think you have to say it like that as well, by the way, just for future reference. It's like in the AP style guide. So uh, the reason why that is such an important story for media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, to focus on right now, it's because this is what they believe to be the inoculation against the defund the police self-inflicted wound. Um, That's why I'm kind of rooting for, like, on the one hand, I'm kind of torn on this. I fully acknowledge I'm kind of torn on this. Like, on the one hand, I really don't, wish any ill will on people. I'm, I I never really have. I'm not that kind of person. I don't wish ill will on people. And so I don't want to see the, the people of Minneapolis have to live in a city um, or try to sell their homes in the city that doesn't have a police force any longer, right? That apparently is uh, on the ballot today in Minneapolis and they're going to be voting. And I, I really don't, I mean, I, like, I would be very afraid for them, and, and I'm going to be very sad for them if they disband their entire police force and then they're living in just abject crime. Now, that being said, <clears throat> the other part of me is like, man, this really would be a good test case because I'm all about the freedom to fail. And, you know, Lord knows I am, you know, living proof of that axiom. <laughs> So you got to have that's that's part of freedom. That's part of the deal. And I understand that that is scary for a lot of people. That's when, when I talk about sort of my like my general philosophy on politics, but also in life, it's my default is towards freedom. Like that taxi driver sitting at Kings and Moorhead today, he had the freedom, right, to sit through the green arrow while everyone honked at him and he scrolled his phone. And then the guy Behind him in the atrium van, he also had the freedom to sit at the next cycle of the green light, as if we didn't all just see what happened with the taxi guy. He, too, had that freedom. I'm not the kind of guy that says there ought to be a law, even though there is a law, but there ought to be a law against someone doing that. I'm starting to think much like the I'm all right. I'm just spitballing here. This is right off the top of my head. Okay, but. I'm thinking maybe from now on at all green lights, we just start honking our horn. What do you think? Just as soon as the light turns green, bam, hit the horns. Because apparently everybody's on their cell phone. Is that the thing now? Just everyone's on their cell phone all the time. And so when we get to the green lights, I've noticed this is getting way, way, way worse. It's like the pandemic made everybody even more addicted to the phones. And so now when you hit the 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 stoplights like the first sign the first sign this is your giveaway 
by the way, uh, addicts, this is your dead giveaway. You've left like seven car lengths between you and the other vehicle at the stoplight. Like that's like all of a sudden, everybody didn't just become better drivers and leave a lot of extra room. Either that or like you're really worried that like, you know, a drive by shooting is going to break out and you're going to need to pull away very quickly, which look, I do get it. It is Charlotte. So the idea here is that uh, you leave so much length in between the vehicles is because you're on your phone and you just couldn't you couldn't wait to get stopped at the stoplight so you could get on your freaking phone to text somebody something stupid. Again, I'm not one that wishes ill will on anybody. I do wonder, though, sometimes if maybe the people who get into accidents maybe should be required to have a sign posted onto their vehicle of the text message they were sending when they got into the accident. You know, like just so we could see what was so important that anyway. So uh, that's the first sign that you're on the phone. And then, of course, the second sign is that the, the light turns green and you're like, again, these are like defensive driving type skills that they teach. And I know I took defensive driving classes. And so, like, I can tell you, this is one of the things you leave two car lengths. But also when the light turns green, you're supposed to look both ways through the intersection before you proceed just to make sure you don't have a, a red light runner coming through. And I am not for one second believing that all of a sudden everybody got to be better drivers. That that did not happen because I've seen you when the vehicle actually moves. You're not a better driver. Uh, I think the pandemic has made people worse drivers. And so now it's like this defensive driving technique of leaving more car lengths when you stop, but also of not proceeding through the green while those are more safe uh, uh, efforts there. Those are safety related kind of uh, activities. You're not doing it because of safety. We all know what's going on there. You are distracted by your cell phone. Okay. And While I'm not one who likes to say there ought to be a law, there are laws. Okay, I did not pass them. And as a lowercase l libertarian, I don't like them, but I'm a realist. I am a pragmatist as well. So like I understand uh, this is why like I can be opposed to the K-12 government model education system. But I also know it's not going to get blown up. It's not going to be completely dismantled. There are too many people that like it. I'm a realist. Right. So when I tell people that my default position is freedom, that's generally where, like, you give me an issue and I know nothing about it, I am generally, by default, going to err on the side of the freedom argument. Now, maybe you can persuade me that government needs to do some more stuff. Okay. Like, for example, policing. Libertarians, capital L, big L libertarians, they have arguments against government police forces. I've heard the arguments. I'm not persuaded by them. Now, that does not mean that I'm like, yay, cops can do no wrong. I'm not saying that either. Okay? But the default position towards freedom doesn't mean I'm unpersuadable. But it also means that you have the freedom not just to succeed. And that's when the left comes after you because you've succeeded and they're like, oh, we got to get all that stuff away from you. Because the, uh, the, the left is really about it's a it's a politics of envy really when you boil down their philosophy it is it's the it's a philosophy of envy and um and and whatever that's fine that's not fine but i mean that's i recognize that's the motivation so they see others success and they want that for themselves and rather than you know ask successful people how to be successful 
uh, it's you know better for them to to take and so uh, and and to make that other person not as profitable in their success. It's the politics of envy, and it's not just in financial matters either. But part of the other side of this freedom argument is the ability to fail. It's why I'm a federalist as well. I like the idea of all of these 50 states um, being able to enact certain policies and try different things and have the ability to succeed, but also to fail. So if a state does something and it ends in colossal failure, then all of the other states get to go, whoa, let's not do that. (laughs) And they don't have to make the same mistake. This is one of the problems, the biggest problem I would submit When the left gets in power and they seek to enact a one-size-fits-all national uh, program or policy, this is the problem uh, with their their election-related law that they've been running. You're going to nationalize all of these rules, and they may not all be great. If they are all great, then all of the states would adopt them. Over time, states would adopt the rules that work. There was a um, there's a guy named uh, Francis Fukuyama. You've heard of this guy, right? He uh, wrote a book called The End of History. Um, and anyway, my my assessment is that like as as humans, and his premise here is like that: as as humans, you know, throw away things that don't work and adopt the things that do, basically in pursuit of a perfected kind of a society that eventually you get to a point where you can't perfect it anymore. Not that it's perfect. I'm not saying utopia has been achieved. Just that you constantly pursue it, but because we are man, sorry, we are humans, we're birthing people and non-birthing people, right? So, okay, so we're humans. You're never going to achieve utopia. Perfection is not one of the options that's available to us. So you get the most perfected, society that you can uh that you can make and then after that you start to spiral downwards because there isn't anything better but people think that you can make it better so you keep trying to make it better but you're actually then making it worse and it spirals out of control fukuyama actually predicted the rise of donald trump right so but in that book so like there are I, and, I, and I tend to agree with his hypothesis there, not because he predicted Trump, but because it sounds correct to me. It strikes me as correct. So um, you got to have the ability to fail. And that means states have to have the ability to fail when they try really stupid ideas. I remember 20 years ago, Oregon tried to have some universal health care for their state. And I was all for it. Because if you do it and it doesn't work, we're going to know why it didn't work. We're going to have a real-world example. And so I see the same thing up in Minneapolis. They want to get rid of their police department. On the one hand, man, that's really going to stink for the people who live there. But on the other hand, hey, you know what? We're all going to see what happens when you go full defund the police. Did you hear the caller yesterday, Ryan, with Brett Winterbull? <laughs> Oh, it was classic. <laughs> oh, it was great. You heard, That was the promo you just heard there. Uh, he needs to... I should tell his producer, TJ. I should tell TJ, like, you need to take that call and replay it. 
Radio Gold. Radio Gold. It's always amazing to me, and Brett handled it, obviously, like the pro he is, but like the, it's always amazing to me, people who call up a radio station and a host and project upon the host all sorts of assumed beliefs that the host has and positions that the host has adopted. And the caller has no idea if these things are true or not. And the host obviously does, right? Because it's him. So or her, sorry. Not trying to be offensive. But um the idea that you would know someone else's positions better than they do and and try to explain it to them as some sort of a gotcha, you know, it's <laughs> it never ceases to amuse me. And so yeah, Ryan. Ryan messed with the bull and got the horns yesterday. Um, so maybe TJ will. There needs to be like a best of. That should be best of material, right? There is a best of on the weekends. That should be best of right there, that phone call. All right. Um, no, I caught it yesterday after I, uh, after I got off the air. So right now in Raleigh, they are going over the redistricting maps. And I'm just kind of following along with some uh, folks up in uh, the Capitol. And... Essentially, as near as I can tell, this is the deal. Uh, Democrats would like very much to split up cities and towns when it helps them. And then they would very much like to keep cities and towns and counties together when it helps them. Meanwhile, Republicans, they would very much like to keep cities and towns and counties together when it helps them but also to split up the cities, counties, and towns when it helps them. I think I've got an accurate read there on the redistricting map drawing process. Oh, and of course, the Republicans are racists and uh, they hate democracy uh, because they are trying to do the exact same thing that the Democrats are doing. Democrats obviously love democracy by doing the same things that the Republicans are doing. I think that should keep us all uh, on track. There we go. All right, so... Uh, Speaking of the legislature, yesterday there was a brand new lawmaker sworn into office. His name is Donnie Loftus from Gaston County, and the Gaston County Republican Party put him there uh, after the death of the incumbent, Dana Bumgarner, who died in October, and... uh, and so they re- so the county parties get to name the replacements. That's how that works. And so they had an internal election. You might call it democracy, right? Isn't well, it's not a real democracy because they didn't hold a brand new election. Okay. So uh, this, but the rules are in the state that you filled the unexpired term with an appointment. And this has been going on for a very, 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 very long time. Now, Donnie Loftus is very, very helpful to the Democrats right now because Donnie Loftus posted up onto his Facebook page earlier this year about how he was raring to go, how he went, and what he did at the insurrection on January 6th. Peace be upon them. So North Carolina House Democrats, rather than suffer the indignity and the outrage of watching Mr. Loftus 
be sworn into office yesterday. They walked out in the most heroic act of bravery ever witnessed before on the face of the planet. They walked out. In walking out, they were objecting to Loftus because of his participation in the protests at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Protests that devolved into a violent riot. Which is kind of redundant. Brian Murphy at the Charlotte Observer. A violent riot? I think all riots are violent. Brian, I think that's kind of the jam. That's the deal. Otherwise, it's just a demonstration. Right? It's a protest. It's a march. It's an event. It's all of the other euphemisms that you guys use to describe all of the left-wing violent riots. Right. Like 96% peaceful, all of that. Right? Okay, so it, it, it was a riot. It was a riot. And look, if for the people that were going in to try to overturn an election, you get to then call them insurrectionists. And I know that's going to anger some people on the right. Sorry. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I didn't do it. I didn't go up there, try to, you know, hunt down various elected representatives in the chamber. By the way, it's kind of this one of the thought experiments I ran right afterwards uh, was what do you think would have happened had they actually gotten a hold of Nancy Pelosi? What do you think would have happened? I mean, just think it through. What do you think would have happened? What do you think would have happened if Mike Pence actually uh, got trapped in a hallway or an elevator or something and the mob happened to show up? What do you think would have happened? I don't know. But I can think of some ways that it would have gone bad, depending on who was there, right? Would they have just gotten in his face and yelled and screamed? Which, by the way, the left says that's totally acceptable behavior, right? It was totally acceptable behavior for them to storm various capitals like Wisconsin, uh, Raleigh during the Moral Monday stuff. That's totally fine for them to do these things. Totally different when Republicans do it. See, now I'm trying to be consistent. I condemned all of that. I'm, I'm, I have a consistent standard on that kind of behavior. Update from Raleigh. State lawmakers have taken a bit of a break right now after Senator Natasha Marcus from Mecklenburg County was very, very upset about the way the district got drawn, putting her into what they call a double bunking map, where so essentially there are two incumbents that are now in the same district and they would have to run against each other. Marcus being obviously one of them and the other one being uh, State Senator Vicki Sawyer, I believe. Um, yeah, Iredell Republican Vicki Sawyer. And because uh, it keeps, there's a little bit of like Davidson, that North Mech area, and it pushes that up into Iredell County. And Marcus is like, Davidson is not at all the same as farmland Iredell. And, and so I'm just looking at Will Doran. He is the observers. Uh, he's one of the uh, McClatchy reporters for the News and Observer up there. And uh, do, do, do Marcus is double bunked. Uh, there's no reason to put them in the same district. And that they're violating their own rules to do this. And... Um, oh, and then I was also, I'm being told that Senator Marcus was reminded 
that uh, she had previously, yeah, she had previously opposed using incumbency as one of the criteria. <laughs> so, so she voted against using incumbency for criteria. So in other words, you can't consider, she did not, she, her argument was you should not look at whether or not you're double bunking people. And now a map is proposed that double bunks her and she's like gone nuclear. <laughs> Oh, goodness. See, you wouldn't get this kind of comedy with an independent redistricting committee, people. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, I'm sorry. It's undermining our democracy. And remember, every time Democrats say our democracy, they mean the Democratic Party. And see, I wasn't even nasty about that. I said the Democratic Party, which is kind of, you know, hashtag fake news. Instead of saying the Democrat Party, because they're now hypersensitive about that, too. Anyway, North Carolina House Democrats walked out of the session last night rather than have to witness the swearing in of a new elected official, Republican Donnie Loftus, a 30-year Army veteran and former county commissioner who was post uh, put into the post uh, of the uh, unexpired term for the late Representative Dana Bumgarner who died last month. And they say they walked out of uh, this because they don't like Donnie Loftus because um, he went up to Washington, D.C. for the January 6th Stop the Steal rally and then marched down to the Capitol and was there and got tear gassed and posted about it on Facebook. And so he's obviously an insurrectionist, and so therefore... He should not be allowed uh, to be uh, a lawmaker. <clears throat> All right, so a couple things. Uh, I am going to get into this, uh, which I've been sitting on for a while, actually, this exclusive report that um, January 6th protest organizers say they participated in dozens of planning meetings with members of Congress, but also there's a big write-up um, by Revolver News on a couple of the people that apparently were key in the planning of the January 6th riot and have for some reason escaped any kind of prosecution. I wonder why we'll get to that as well. Um, So you heard me earlier condemn the people who broke into the legislature in, in Washington, DC, much as I condemned the people who were disruptive to legislative sessions in North Carolina for years, but were celebrated and heralded, egged on by Democrats in the media, but I repeat myself, as well as up in Wisconsin, they've done this. And um, they did this, they've done it repeatedly over the course of these. Hello, Code Pink, right? Disrupting various legislative sessions. These are always seen as acts of bravery when the left engages in it, but when the Trump supporters do it, um, then then it's a it's insurrection, right? And oh my gosh, it's the worst thing in the world ever. Meanwhile, like you have to remove all context from that event, and I have to ignore the previous year worth of rioting that the left was engaged in, 
in order for me to only criticize the Republicans. You see, like you guys on the left, you you occupy no moral high ground in any of this. And this is why, see, this is the nice thing. I, I acknowledge this is an advantage that I have in that by holding a consistent standard, I get to scold and ridicule and mock all of the people that do the same thing, no matter what side of the aisle they're on. So if you're busting down the doors of the Kavanaugh hearing or you're busting down the doors of the uh, the certification of the election in Congress, either way, I can say you shouldn't do that. And I'm not a hypocrite. It's a nice spot to be in. Seriously, like that's one of the benefits. I don't know what it gets me. Reagan writes probably that's about it. Yeah, probably that's it. Um, but it's also been uh, become very clear to me that there are a lot of folks on the left and in the media, but I repeat myself, they don't know what the Oath Keepers are. They've just become aware of the Oath Keepers, and they believe the Oath Keepers are the equivalent of the neo-Nazi skinheads. They, they think it's the Klan. So we've got, we're going to get into that as well. Oh, and by the way, we normally do talk to the Speaker of the House um, on Tuesdays, but uh, that has been... Uh, pushed off until tomorrow because of the legislative session occurring uh, today. So Donnie Loftus said on the Facebook that he got gassed three times and was at the entrance when they breached the door. That is a direct quote on a Facebook post that he uh, since deleted. Okay. He said, my oath of enlistment has the phrase, both foreign and domestic. We didn't think it would actually be domestic, right? So anybody who listens to talk radio and me being one of them has heard this kind of hot rhetoric before. And again, if the left would like to adopt a universal standard of no more hot rhetoric and the invocation of uh, violence and such in political discourse, okay, but you guys are going to have to you know, rework a lot of your campaign material. You're going to have to rework a lot of your stump speeches. And you're going to have to start condemning some of the acts of violence that your folks have been engaged in. Steve Scalise would like a word, for example. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Stevie Ray Vaughan. So I, look, at. I'm not saying I made this happen, because I totally didn't make it happen at all. But I said, TJ, the producer for Brett Winderbull's show, he needs to put up uh, that, that clip of the phone call with Ryan. And, I mean, I don't want to say he did it because I, I said, I suggested this idea, because that would actually be, False. He actually had already posted it. It's at the WBT.com site. <laughs> if you go there, go to WBT.com and you can actually listen to that phone call. It's classic. It's going to be worth your time. Okay. Just go to the website. Not during my show. Do it sometime when you're online, like you're killing time at work or something. Um, but not during my show. Thank you. So the North Carolina uh, Democrats walked out of the uh, the swearing-in last night of Donnie Loftus to the General Assembly because Donnie Loftus, a Bronze Star recipient, by the way, 30-year Army veteran, former county commissioner, but he went to the Stop the Steal rally 
and posted up onto the Facebook about how he was right there. He got tear gassed a bunch of times. He says he never went into the Capitol. So is it, can you be an insurrectionist without actually doing the insurrection? That's a question. And look, I've made myself clear on that. If you go, you know, the people that went in there, and I'm not talking about the ones that busted in and then like walked around like, oh, look at this building. Oh, isn't that a nice painting? And then left. I'm not talking about those people. Now, the people that were like putting their feet up on the desks and like running around with like podiums and stuff. And that guy in the, yeah, 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 the antelope hat or whatever it was. Like, yeah, like some of those people, yeah, absolutely. Throw the book at them. Totally fine with it. Um, And I would say that if they were leftists too. I did say it when they were leftists and they did the same thing in the North Carolina legislature. And the left was like, but they're heroes. They're speaking truth to power. You know, I was like, no, I'm, you don't get to behave like criminals for politics. And then they all got let off. And I've said this before. I said it with the girls that were protesting over the, uh, the football player with the ankle monitor playing in the game. What an Olympic high school, a couple weeks back. I said the same thing. If you're going to do a protest and there are no ramifications for protesting, then is it really protesting? Right? Like, if you're not willing to risk anything for this protest, then I don't know. It's not, at that point, it's just like a letter to the editor, right? And so they should be proud of the fact that they got punished. But all those lefties who went and got arrested at the General Assembly week after week after week and then had all their charges dismissed, thrown out the, thrown out the window, right? It didn't matter. So is that really a protest then? No, it's performance theater. That's all this is. That is so much of what the left's politics are nowadays. And guys, you're exhausting. You're exhausting. Now, look, I don't know what it's like every day to wake up and be you, okay? That's got to be just exhausting as well, actually. That's, that has got to be just exhausting to be constantly irate and offended at everything all the time. My goodness. Um, But so much of what we see, it's just performance. It's performative. That's it. That's all that it's meant to do. The rending of garments, you know, the tearing of the collar and all this stuff. Like, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. Well, here we go. Uh, I know I'm taking a, a bit of a detour here, but indulge me if you will. Here is what's going on. Where is, uh, where's Biden at, at these meetings? He's sleeping through the, uh, environmental stuff for the global save the planet stuff where everybody flew in on private jets right so this is what's going on outside here we go no more exploitation of people and nature and the planets no more exploitation no more blah 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 no more whatever the f- they're doing inside there yay Greta Thunberg said the f word oh my god she's adorable right this is the level of protest that we see outside. Uh, I think JFK Jr. was slated to appear. There were like 40 people that showed up. And he's so brave. Although he did do the anti-COVID vaccine stuff, so he's kind of persona non grata now among the left. Yeah, she inspired a chant. With that stupid speech that she was giving. she like You could see in the video where Greta Thunberg, you know who Greta Thunberg, 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 whatever. You, you know who she is, right? How dare you? Yeah, that girl. That girl who was like, 
like with the eye twitching, like the evil villain from the Pink Panther movie, like that eye twitch thing going, you know, where she's like, how dare you at one of these other global things. Remember, like Trump walked right past her. Classic move, by the way, (laughs) where she's like standing there. (laughs) like wanting to try this is the other thing the left likes to do they'll take a kid they did it in north carolina during the moral monday stuff i still remember her name i'm not going to give her any publicity but um she was a 12 year old and they did the same thing that they did with this greta thunberg girl thunberg thunberg they did the same thing they like push her to the front they have her you know say these obnoxious things and oh gosh she's a child and then, of course, you can't say anything because if you engage with the child in the political arena, it's just a child, Pete. How dare you talk about how stupid she sounds and her arguments is ineffective and silly. Yeah, I'm your Huckleberry. I will do that. I did that, and I got a bunch of crap for it, but I don't care. I, like, I don't care. Th- this is the thing, and maybe this was... Uh, the mistake that Winthrop University made, because that's my alma mater where I went to college, maybe this was the mistake that they made in putting the journalism college in the same building with the theater department. Yeah, and and requiring us to take uh, a credit, I think a course or so, yeah, like three credit hours of a theater class. I also have a bit of a history in the theater as well. I mean, it was, you know, junior high level stuff. I don't like to brag, but, um, you know, that I, I, I did have some exposure and experience to that. And I know this is going to come off very stereo, uh, very stereotypical and all, but theater people kind of nuts and they kind of are. Everything is over the time. Look, you want that, you want that element in theater. You do just like you need the element of crazy in comedy. Because people who are engaged in these forms of art, right, you're you're pushing the boundaries of things and trying to, you know, get a laugh or trying to inspire. And so you a lot of times you don't know until you bump up against that perimeter, right? So I'm not, I, I don't mean it as a, uh, as a pejorative, but yeah, kind of crazy. I mean, there's some elements there of madness. That's why you don't let them lead us, okay? That's why... <laughs> We don't let them lead us. That's why there's only ever been, really, if you think about it, right, one actor who's ever been president. And it was a Republican, Ronald Reagan, right? Like, that's because anybody else, they're just they're just too far gone off the... <laughs> oh, relax. But seriously, the theater department and the mass comm department, same building. Yeah, same building. So, so much of this stuff I just recognize, like, oh, yeah. You guys were the ones acting in the lobby area of the of the building of that department back in college. I remember that.